Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We've got a special guest in here with us tonight from Atlanta, Georgia, Spencer Pompelli, who drives the uh, Porsche Cayman in the SRO Motorsports Pirelli GT4 America Series for the Racers Group is with us tonight. Spencer, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So thanks for coming on the show. Uh, let's, let's briefly uh, let our listeners know who you are. I know that you grew up in a racing family. Uh, your dad uh, used to run the old uh, IMSA Camel GT series, I believe. Uh, so you've been around racing your whole life. Uh, have you kind of always wanted to be a, a race car driver from uh, hanging out with your dad at the track? Or is it something that you kind of thought of later? Well, if you think way back to the late 80s and IMSA GTP cars, I mean, there was a uh... Glamorous cars, a lot of attractive women, exotic locations, downtown Miami, you know, um, Long Beach and California and all over the East Coast. It, it was just as a 13 year old, if you if you're around that environment, uh, it, it's not hard to get that bug to go race. And that's where it started for sure. So, yeah, I kind of always wanted to do that. The path that led me to actually get from there watching you know, all the cool uh 962s and Nissans and Jaguars race to where I'm racing now is long and crooked, but uh, I'm here now, and, and that, that's kind of really where it all began. All right, well, fantastic. So now, we had just mentioned uh, you're a two-time winner at Daytona. Now, that's not in the 500. That's in the Rolex 24, and I, I know you guys thought the uh, the Daytona 500 was a pretty long race this past weekend, but uh, the, 20, <laughs> the 24 is even longer. Seth, you've been down there to the Dona, Daytona the Rolex 24. Um, now, it's just, a, it's just an amazing atmosphere down there because you, you've got literally hundreds of drivers down there and you've got drivers from every discipline in the world. Uh, you know, there a bunch of IndyCar guys will be in there. You'll have some current and former Formula One guys. Uh, a couple of guys will, will come out of NASCAR and uh, try to try their hand at the, at the road course there in a sports car. Um, so, so when you're there for, uh, you know the the 24 hours and you've got your breaks and whatnot is there is there a sense of camaraderie amongst all those driver drivers i mean do you guys kind of seek out one another and, and and trade stories is it you know is it a bit like a big reunion well yeah absolutely there's a lot of that to it unfortunately last couple of years i've been finding myself running both the 24 and the continental tire sports car challenge which now this year is the michelin pilot cup and so that keeps you very busy because you got to do all the practices and then all the racing, and there hasn't been a ton of time to actually go out and meet some of the guys like Alonzo who have been there, who's been there recently. But uh, one of the neat things for the fans and for the drivers is we do get to kind of interact with some of the other drivers from other disciplines. In 2011, uh, when I won the race with the, the racers group, I had uh, Andy Lally, who's a good friend, was one of my co-drivers, and we had Wolf Hensler, who was a Porsche factory driver, and a, a gentleman from Chicago named Steve Bertho. But we needed a, a kind of another ringer to, to come and help us win the race. And Kevin uh, knew Brendan gone, as did Lally from their time in NASCAR. So Brendan came over and was just uh, absolutely impressive with his road racing skills and was a big part of our win in 2011. 
And then I want to say in 29, uh, 2009, uh, Bobby Labonte was driving for TRG in, in Nextel Cup, I guess it was back then, or maybe it was Sprint Cup. And uh, we got him to come and drive with uh, some of the, the top Porsche factory drivers. We had Romain Dumont, uh, Emmanuel Collard, myself. And Bobby's pace, his first day in the Porsche at Daytona, was on par with absolutely all those guys who had spent their lives driving those Porsches all over the U.S. So uh, I was really impressed, and it's a lot of – it's an opportunity for us to kind of talk to those guys about what they do, learn more about it. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm a Brendan Gaughan fan for life now, and I always try to follow his racing. And, of course, Bobby's not driving anymore, but I would, you know, follow him too. So we feel like we have a connection to everyone when you get to Daytona. Yeah, it, it is quite an amazing event. So now, as far as the rest of your your schedule is concerned, we've talked about uh, you ran the Lamborghini uh, for Magnus Motorsport in um, at the Rolex Twenty Four, and you'd be doing a few other endurance races uh, with them th- this year. The um, the SRO Pirelli GT Four Series takes you to some some pretty good tracks. I believe you're running at Coda. You're going to run at Virginia. Um, you've got a couple weekends uh, where you're partnered up with the Indy cars and whatnot. Uh, I, I believe you're at Long Beach. Is that correct? Yeah, that's a, that's correct. So we go to a bunch of really unique venues that we don't really get a chance to run in sports car racing a lot. You know, St. Pete's one of them. We run with IndyCar there. And then in Long Beach, and that's always one that you watch IndyCar guys drive and hope to get to. And then slowly they've been integrating different sports car series in as, as a support race. And so I've been fortunate enough to run that event uh, three or four times, and that's another one coming up. You know, Long Beach is probably the spiritual home of TRG, even if uh, the, the team's based out of Northern California. The team owner, Kevin Buckler, grew up in that area and really got the bug for racing, watching cars out Long Beach. So that's uh, one of those places where I know he really wants to win this year. And then we have a lot of people that support us uh, out down in the Tampa-St. Pete area. So those will be some fun venues. And then we get to race at Sonoma, which is basically the backyard of uh, of the team. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the uh, the, the schedule, the series. Uh, VIR is probably the best venue we have in the U.S. Get to run there, and uh, it you know if, if this Porsche is as good as we think it is, it should be a good season. Should be. Now speaking of Porsche, you've you've driven the bulk of your career uh, in Porsches. I've heard you referred to as a uh, a Porsche specialist uh, by one of your PR folks, Gail, uh, she called you a Porsche specialist. So, uh, and, and again, you know, Porsche is one of the, um, the storied marks of racing, you know, they, they've set the bar in sports car racing time and time again. So, I mean, just, just what to you, uh, you know, you've driven some other type cars out there, but, but to, to call yourself a Porsche driver, is that something that you take a lot of pride in? Well, I think nowadays, now that we've gone to the GT3 spec, uh, the cars have actually, become a lot closer as far as what the difference in the Lamborghini versus an Audi versus a Ferrari versus a BMW and a Porsche uh, kind of feel and drive like. But back in, say, 2013, when we were running in the American Le Mans series with the GTC category where the cars were uh, definitely rear engine and raw, there was only a handful of guys that were really quick in them. And to be amongst those guys, it was really cool. So um, I love the Mark. I like the cars, but I to me, if it's competitive, I like to drive it. But I think my favorite race I've ever run in my career was the Arca race in New Jersey uh, in a you know 800 power car that had no 800 horsepower car that had zero grip. But uh, the Porsche is kind of my wheelhouse. I know them really well, and when I get in them, I just kind of know setup wise what they want. I know exactly how they need to be driven, and so I think that's a big advantage, and it, it helps kind of you know it helps me exploit the, the car and kind of take advantage of the of what it can do more so than 
some of the other makes. All right, now, uh, Seth, um, you've got uh, you've got a question. I know, Seth, you and I were discussing the overall health of sports car racing, and and you had some comments and questions on that. Yes, I did. Uh, uh, as far as sports car racing is concerned, uh, for, my understanding is Jim France had a lot of help in saving sports car racing, at least here in North America, uh, and now he is heading NASCAR. Spencer. Uh, what? How much did he do for sports car racing? And now that he's in NASCAR, uh, how much do you think his leadership experience in IMSA and sports cars will apply there? He has always been committed to sports car racing uh, to the point where I think you know we owe a vast majority of where the sport is right now to his vision and his uh, his consistent support of the sport. There's been a lot of other people that have obviously had big influences. Don Panos, you think of one of them, but if you think about the influence that the France family's had on sports car racing, uh, he's one of the guys that is really responsible for what you say saw at Daytona, where you have a huge entry of top, top-notch teams, uh, cars that are all professionally run, some of the best drivers in the world. And you think about like the class I was in, GTD, there was 23 cars, and I would say 21 of them really had a legitimate shot to win. So that type of environment that they've created, especially when you think about where it came from 20 years ago, where it was kind of a hodgepodge of different ideas and teams and cars and philosophies, he's done a fantastic job. He's had great help. I think he's attracted good people. And I think everything that he's done is going to help uh, wherever he goes. And, and NASCAR obviously is is near and dear to him as well. Uh, I hate to I hope he doesn't lose focus on what we're doing because I think he's still a big part of IMSA and sports car racing. But uh, I think if NASCAR is going to kind of move in the future, uh, he's probably one of the guys that can help kind of lead it to new leadership and, and and take take the reins and go forward. And uh, speaking of venues as well, uh, something NASCAR did last year, they ran their first Roval race, as they called it, at Charlotte. Uh, and there was a lot of talk in the offseason of possibly IMSA running uh, that uh, course sometime in the near future. Would that be something you're interested in doing? I think the Rovals have historically been tough for IMSA, with the exception of Daytona. And one of the reasons is it's, it's difficult to attract fans in some of those markets. Now, I don't know how well sports car racing would play in Charlotte, uh, but I do know that even if we had a huge uh, crowd in, in sports car terms, the place would still kind of look empty when, when we got there. So um, it's one of those things where we've historically stayed away from them. Uh, it might be worth a try, but you know what? If we're going to try something new, I'd say let's go to an oval. Let's let's see what that Lamborghini can do at Richmond. Let's see what a Porsche GT4 does at Bristol. I mean, if we're going to mix it up, let's do that. <laughs> and uh, speaking of trying something different, I know you said you ran the ARCA car at New Jersey Motorsports Park a few years ago. And with having the connections to Brendan Gaughan and Bobby Labonte, have you ever considered – essentially being a road course ringer in NASCAR, uh, running one of the road course races, whether it's in the Cup Series or the Xfinity Series, like how Andy Lally has done recently? Yeah, Andy Lally works very, very hard every year to try to put together those uh, those deals. And uh, he's always been an, a NASCAR fan. And I, I think if he had his pick from a young age, he would have been a NASCAR driver. But 
as your career kind of takes its turns and opportunities arise, he ended up being a sports car driver. Uh, I would also love to be a NASCAR driver. I'd love to do some ovals. I'd love to do more road courses, but I think at you know, my age, which is now 44, uh, there's so many younger kids that probably have bigger futures and they'll get some of those uh, investment dollars their way. I think it'd be an uphill battle. And to be honest, I've got my hands pretty full running, uh, you know, the series that I race in, in sports cars and doing some of the coaching I do. So um, as much fun as I had in that ARCA race, nothing really came of it. Um, I tried to find my way into a couple Xfinity races and some, some spring cup back then, but it just didn't pan out. So I'm here and I'm ready to go, but at the same time, uh, uh, I'm not holding my breath. Now, have you ever had the opportunity to, you know, while you've been running the sports cars, to, uh, in a testing situation or race situation, um, you know, uh, hop in and run one of the prototype cars? I have, actually. Uh, I actually raced a, a Daytona prototype in, I want to say it was 2006. It was over 10 years ago. Uh, but it, but it still it was a good the taste of a, a prototype and then a couple test days i've jumped in some high power radicals things like that i'm pretty much uh, committed to the gt cars i find that uh when i hop in those they just kind of come naturally i kind of felt the same way in the arca car but when you get in the higher downforce stuff where you're doing more turning with the steering wheel and less with kind of the, the pedals um i feel like it's a different driving style one that i i could adapt to over time but i'm not going to uh, jump in anything right away and set the world on fire now I did I did hear a story that uh, one of your Rolex twenty four wins, you were missing the clutch in the car for for a good bulk of the time, um, and yet you still won the class. How uh, uh, you know how kind of uh, harrowing harrowing was that to try to, to to run that without the clutch? It was tough because uh, well, first off, I was in the car when it when it let go. I think uh, my co driver Wolf had had a little off and, and something went up and took out the line right by the gearbox, which in that car obviously is, you know, behind the driver in front of the engine. And so when he came in the pits, uh, you know, he kind of chugged to a stop. And so when I left, uh, there was still a little pressure in it, but it didn't want to go into gear. And, the, and we were still allowed to push the cars back then. So the guys gave me a little push and off we went. But after a couple laps, it was completely gone. And, uh, we decided, you know, we knew for sure if we pitted to fix it, we would be out of the race. And we were leading at the time. So we decided to forge on. Now, in a lot of cars, you don't really need the clutch. But in that particular car, you needed it for downshifts because the sequential gearbox didn't really go from one gear through a neutral to the next. It went right from one to the other. So it would uh, very frequently grind and to try to rev the engine to match the revs. Uh, it was almost impossible without the clutch because it was never a neutral. So we were pretty uh, pretty sure the gearbox wasn't going to last. And then, of course, we had a long yellow flag for fog that year. And that was really tough, just kind of chugging around under yellow, not being able to stop the car on track. Uh, There's a couple times when the field would kind of slow down in an accordion and you'd have to just chug along and pass a couple cars. And then when it spread back out, you have to fall back in the line. But... Uh, sure enough, we we forged on, uh, knowing that if we spun them, the race would be over. And the uh, myself and the rest of the guys, Brendan, Andy, Wolf, and uh, Steve, they were able to kind of nurse it. And sure enough, the gearbox had probably another five hours left on it. We we did our damage, but it wasn't so bad that it that that we were really kind of weren't going to make it. Oh, that's amazing! So now, Richard, uh, you'd like to chime in here? Yeah, I just got a, a couple of a couple of questions, just more for some of so. 
more from a curiosity point of view and a, you know to try and get your opinion on a few things. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned earlier um, when you've been running the Daytona 24, you have a lot of drivers from a sort of a diverse um, background. Do you think that you know the likes of Alonso coming over and some of the IndyCar drivers and some of the NASCAR drivers, you know, coming over and, and racing that series? Do you think, in a way, that sort of detracts from the job that you guys do because they're you know the sport obviously gets more attention for that race but it's only be, you know because they're there you know I, I don't know if you, you, tr- you get what I'm trying to ask here yeah, no, I, I get what you're trying to say and I I never really thought of it that way you know to me the more attention we can bring to what we do I think the better and yeah. I, I never saw someone coming over to join us for the 24 as being kind of a a front to what we do. To me, it was always an, an extra. It was something mm-hmm. fun, a new experience, uh, some someone to learn from. Uh, you know, especially you just look at their take on racing in general, not necessarily how they drive that particular car, but what's their philosophy on the big picture and how do they approach their job? They have a pretty interesting job when they come over. You know, they got a full season deal that's going on uh, without them after they leave. So. You know, if they yeah. mess up, if they crash the car, they could ruin a championship for other people mm-hmm. that they're never going to see again the rest really of the is. season. So <laughs> it's it's definitely a uh, a tough situation for them. But, uh, no, if someone were to come over and kind of take away a seat for the season, that would be a different thing. But I think the sports car drivers we have out there right now are, are a pretty good bunch. You know, the one thing in recent years, though, is that since we've gone to these driver ratings, and I'm not 100% sure all your listeners are going to be familiar with them, but in sports car racing, thanks to the big amateur presence that we've always had throughout the years, uh, we've tried to, as a community, formalize who's a professional, who's an amateur, and where you rank. So at Daytona, at least in my class, um, we can't really add a lot of drivers uh, thanks to the driver rating requirements. In GTD, you're only allowed to have two drivers that are above a gold rating. So unfortunately the, the year we brought in Bobby Labonte, we wouldn't be able to do that again this year. So one thing the driver ratings has hurt among many, many other problems it's created in, in racing is that we can't bring the guys like Bobby Labonte or Brendan gone over anymore because we, we got to go find sneaky silver drivers to, to join. The team. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's, I mean, I, I think the, the way that, um, you know the, the series, such as the, the you know the IMSA endurance series and IndyCars going. I think they're both two fantastic series, and from a, from a purist standpoint, in terms of watching racing, I think they're second to none. I I can't I, I can't think there's anything more entertaining up there. I think it's it's interesting to get your thoughts on where sort of NASCAR sits at the moment uh, from a driver's standpoint. Because obviously that's the still in the U.S. That's the series that gets all the coverage, it gets all the attention, it gets all the media um, and, and column inches. But as a product, I think it's fair to say, and, and you know, I'm sure um, you know, Seth and Frank sort of share his opinion. It's not where it, it, it you know, the, the quality of the racing and the quality of the show doesn't match the media presence it gets in a negative way. Whereas IMSA and IndyCar doesn't get the media presence it deserves in, in a positive way, if you like. Um, you know, do you think that over time it'll balance out and the series that you race in and IndyCar will continue to grow um, and that NASCAR will fall? Or do you think NASCAR can sort of reinvent itself a little bit? Oh, well, in my personal opinion, I do think NASCAR needs to do some soul searching. Uh, I think as, as a product, 
Um, you know, a lot of road racers when I first started racing would poo-poo it. I've always been a huge fan. And then once I got involved uh, when I was driving for TRG in the you know the late 2000s, uh, early 10s, and got to see from you know sports car side of that company what they were doing on the NASCAR side, I even uh, you know increased my appreciation for how hard and difficult it is. But you know, right now um, I, I've got a young kid who's six years old, and he's a huge Chase Elliott fan, but uh, he he can't sit through um, a four and a half hour race. Um, no. You know, he he can't sit through a long single file uh, parade for you know hours and hours. It doesn't really mean anything till the end. Um, I do think they need to find a way to, without using gimmicks, uh, mm-hmm. make it more competitive and make it more compact. Uh, why those races need to take as long as they're currently taking, I have no idea. I think they could do it all in a in a two hour yeah. show. For example, you know, we had four cars wreck at Daytona last week and. For some reason, we're under red flag for half an hour. We wrecked four cars in sports car racing. Um, I think it takes a long time when it's five laps under yellow. You know, and here we are, half an hour sitting there waiting. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, you know, I understand having you know the the six hundred being a long race. I understand having Daytona being a long race, but the average race doesn't need to, to last as long. And I think there's other issues too. Now, uh, I think sports car racing, though, as we've seen, is more gentleman driven. So. In order for sports car racing to be successful, we need to have a healthy paddock. Whereas, in order for NASCAR to be successful, they need to have a healthy fan base. I think there are two different challenges, and I think those things are going to be on two different cycles. Always, as the economy kind of comes and goes, and people make investments uh, for sports car racing, uh, I think we're doing really well now that the economy is good. But I, I hope we have the ability to adjust quickly when suddenly three and a half million, four million dollar GTD budgets. Uh, aren't going to match with a, a shrinking economy. Uh, so to answer the question, I don't have a really good uh, answer. Yeah. That, but, uh, and then IndyCar, you know, I, I, I watch as a fan, mostly the 500, but uh, I see huge potential there as the racing is fantastic. Indy never fails to disappoint and they've got great racing throughout the season uh, and, and it's compelling stories behind it. Uh, I have no idea where, where that's going to go either, but uh, but that's my take on everything. I haven't, you know, like it's a great question. I can't answer it. Yeah, and I think I'm sure the the marketing people with all three series probably can't answer it either. It's it's a difficult one, isn't it? But you know, you you raised the point there when you've worked uh, with the NASCAR guys and being close to there. I think one of the issues it has is that the driving standards are actually massively underrated. You know, everybody sits there and thinks, oh, these guys just turn left all the time, but. There is a huge skill to it, and you know I was lucky enough to, to, to work with some pretty good drivers through that time. In fact, Brendan Gorn, I, I worked with him a little bit um, on and off for a couple of years, and you know the talent levels of these guys are huge, but they don't really get the respect and the you know the, the sort of you know these guys are really really good drivers. They're not just a you know a face or a a PR tool. These are damn good drivers. These guys. Well, they they have always been, in my opinion, some of the best in the world, and that, that's why I think when you see guys doing crossovers and and going really fast, Jeff Gordon, I'm sure, could have raced anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stewart was one of those once in twenty year talents that come along. Um, you know, there's a bunch of them over there that could have been successful anywhere they decided to go, but happened to find their path to NASCAR. Uh, that's definitely the case. Um, I hope that continues as I watch NASCAR. I don't know if I'm right about this, but the outside observation, 
is seems to be that's going to more of a series where the funding takes precedent as far as what you need to get into the seat. Now that's mm-hmm. that's not to say that it hasn't always been the case part of the way in every racing series since racing started, but it seems to me that lately the stars we have seem to have come out of nowhere uh, three years ago and. I don't see them the same gritty guys that cut their teeth on the short tracks uh, that that we had when the last generation got up to to, to fame and, and fortune in NASCAR. Does that is that matter? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I see that. And am I right? I don't know either. But that that's just kind of the impression I get from the outside. Now, my question: uh, NASCAR. You know, since we're on that topic. Uh, NASCAR has said nothing is off the table as far as w- trying to build their fan base back up. Uh, one of their questions to the fan council uh, this past weekend was, would you want to see a NASCAR race on a street course? Do you think it's possible to have, whether it's the Cup Series, the Xfinity Series, or the Truck Series, anything like that, on a street course like Long Beach or any other one like Belle Isle? Well, I think that could the cars race there? Absolutely. Would it be a good race? Probably. Uh, definitely would be exciting. There would definitely be some action. The infrastructure, I think, is always the tough part there, but that's not to say it's impossible. So, yeah, if they can find a way to get uh, the crowd, the teams, and everything to work at Long Beach, absolutely. They they should definitely try that. Uh, there's a lot of things I think they could do. Uh one one of my uh, one of the engineers I've worked with in the past, who I think is one of the top guys out there, is a guy named Jeff Brown, Colin Brown's dad, and he did an interview with a, a some friends of mine where he talked about what he would change if he got into racing, and he w- was able to wave a magic wand. And one thing he said was he would reduce the downforce across the board in every series uh, by fifty percent, probably better yet seventy percent. And I think if NASCAR could get rid of the aero packages that cause a lot of the racing to not be as good. And we could just get rid of a lot of that side force that, and let the cars kind of work on their tire and their suspension that might help make the racing better. But as far as attracting a fan base, um, there's a lot of potential out there. The biggest thing is I think you've got to stay away from gimmicks. You got to go with, you know, hard work, putting the series together, making sure that the races are compelling because they're good races. And because, we want to see an outcome that happens on the track, not before everyone gets there. And then I think the fans will come back. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Spetch, I want to, before we close out, I want to give you a couple minutes to, uh, uh, you know, plug your sponsors, let us know where we can find you on social media. I know we'll, I know we'll find you next on a racetrack at uh, St. Pete in um, the weekend of March 8 to 10. Um, so uh, if you want to just go ahead and uh, plug, plug your projects for us, your sponsors uh, and your social media, um we'd appreciate that let our, let our fans know where they can uh find you and reach out to you oh thanks i appreciate that uh spencer pompelli at twitter is probably the best way to go i'm also on instagram at spencer underscore pompelli i believe i actually had an account get hacked and i had to change my thing a long time ago so i always forget which one was actually the real one which one was the hacked one but i'm pretty sure spencer underscore pompelli is the one and then uh i'm going to be racing this year for the racers group in the pirelli uh, SRO GT4 Sprint Championship. So uh, we'll be racing like some of the tracks we talked about earlier, and uh, that's a championship that I believe is eight rounds with 16 events. 
And our sponsors this year are going to be uh, the Racers Group, who's the team that's putting the effort together. Adobe Road Winery makes fantastic wines. Um, I'm not is quite up on the wine knowledge as uh, the guy that runs it, who is just uh, is he's like a college professor on how you make good wines. But I know all I know is that they're fantastic, and uh, after the races, I really enjoy them. And then we've got uh, LaSalle Solutions helping out, and a lot of other good partners there. And then I'm also going to be running the uh, NAEC, the uh, North American Endurance Championship, with Magnus Racing and Lamborghini over in the IMSA side of things. So there's a lot coming up, a lot uh, to be excited about this year. Hopefully the, uh, the the World Challenge stuff leads to a championship, and uh, hopefully the Magnus team does good with them without me, and uh, we'll come to the end of the season with uh, some smiles on our face and do it again next year. All right. Well, we wish we wish you the best of luck in your 2019 season, and um, we'll uh, – We'll we'll follow you. We'll we'll, we'll keep up with you, and uh, maybe you know at the end of the season, uh, you can come on here and talk about uh, winning that championship. So, yeah. So wish you... All right. So, uh, uh, listen. Go, go ahead, sir. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. All the best, guys. All right, guys. Hey, we're uh, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. Everybody, we'll be right back. You're listening to Drafting the Circuits. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 